Hello and welcome to Living Hope. This is Pastor Staten, and I want to welcome everybody that is joining us today. A shout out to our E family, all of you that are joining us through the internet. I want to remind you every Sunday morning at 11 o'clock, you can join us live at tv.livinghopemd.com. I pray that today's message blesses you and that you enjoy the word as it is shared today. I'm so lost to be found, and I know it's in my mind. Amen. Don't make the mistake of choosing somebody else at this moment. Very critical. Amen. Y'all look great today, though, from my vantage point, looking out. What a great looking crowd here today. Amen. Didn't our children do a great job? Amen. We want our kids to know that we're proud of them. Amen. Didn't the worship team do a great job? Sister Maddie, thank you. Amen. I liked all of the songs, but that second one, we could just make that a regular. That, that song was, amen, there, there was something happening in the middle of that song. If, I'm, if my preaching ain't going good, I'm just going to call you back up. We'll do that song, all right? Amen. I would ask you, if you would, turn with me in your Bibles, the book of Matthew, chapter 2. It's so good to see all of our friends, amen, some visiting from out of town, guests, folks that we haven't seen for a while, some we've maybe never seen before, amen. But our motto here at Living Hope is welcome home. Amen. We want you to know that you have made it home. We welcome you. Amen. The, the Bible speaks of the church as a body, a, a family. Amen. And, and you should feel welcome when you walk in. If you don't feel welcome anywhere else, you should feel welcome when you walk into the house of God. Amen. 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 I do want to say a special welcome. My Aunt Peggy uh, that's, uh, is here with us. She was, had come in. I know my parents were celebrating their 50th wedding anniversary, and I think she probably came in for that, but she also came to see me, maybe a little bit too. Probably Stephen too. She might have come to see Stephen and the grandkids. I'm probably at the bottom of all that that I said, but she's, nevertheless, I'm still on the list somewhere. And Peggy, we're glad you're here today. And Brother Bob McCarthy, we're so thankful to have Brother McCarthy with us. Amen. He is a part of Living Hope from way back in the beginning years of this church, and we're so thankful for him. Amen. And, uh, so glad to have him here today. All of our guests, Paul, Jasmine, good to see you guys. Amen. I think we're doing a little ceremony for you all in a few days. Looking forward to that. Amen. And I'll stop there because I know if I start naming, I'll, I'll leave somebody out. Amen. I already have. But uh, we'll just go to the scripture, okay? Matthew chapter 2, beginning in verse number 1. The Bible says, now when Jesus was born, amen, in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east of Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east, and we are come to worship him. Moving down to verse number 11. And when they were come into the house, speaking of those same wise men that had seen the star announcing the birth of Jesus, when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother. They fell down and worshipped him. When they had opened their treasures, everybody say, when they opened their treasures, when they took the lid off of their treasures, amen, when they revealed their treasures, they then presented unto Jesus gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed unto their, into their own country another way. Amen. Amen. I want to conclude the series that we had started uh, four weeks ago, I think on a Sunday morning, uh, entitled or speaking about the gifts that wise men bring, and uh, bonus points today for anybody that can remember the first two Sundays. The first Sunday was 
Good, Brother Trey, you get, you're, you're halfway there. Next week was? They bring their worship. All right. Gold star for Brother Trey. And my wife. I think my wife got it too. Pretty proud of her for doing that. I, 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 remind, I, I remind her this morning, don't forget these. When I, I'm kidding, I did not. Amen. And today I want to talk about wise men bring their treasures. Amen. Wise men bring their treasures. We do have a handout today if you didn't get one and you'd like one, just kind of an outline for you to follow along with. I don't normally do that, but I felt to do it today, so I did it. Amen. And uh, you could be seated, but I want to preach today on that thought. Wise men bring their treasures. If you'd like a handout and you don't have one yet, if you'll raise your hand, the ushers will uh, endeavor to get you one. And if you need a pen, I think we can help you there as well. The only thing we can't do is read minds. So if you need a paper, if you'll raise your hand, if you need a pen, if you'll raise your hand and we will work to quickly. We have great ushers here, don't we? have a great usher staff. Amen. We appreciate all of their work. I also do want to say we gave accolades to the children, but also to the Sylvias, amen, and uh, the host of Sunday school teachers that have worked with our children, the Wednesday night move team that worked with them, amen. Thank you all for all of your work. Uh, also, I know we gave honor to the worship team, the, the singers and Sister Maddie, but also to our band, amen. We give uh, thank you to our band, all that came and many hours of practice that went into that, amen. We thank them for all of their work. Uh, a child wrote a letter to Santa Claus, which read, Dear Santa, you did not bring me anything good last year. You did not bring me anything good the year before that. This is your last chance. Signed, Alfred. Amen. We do not serve God with an Alfred mentality. Amen. Amen. We don't serve God with a Santa Claus mentality. We're, we're not here today God, saying God will give you one more chance to give us something good. Amen. Because God is not Santa Claus. He is Emmanuel. Amen. He is not Santa Claus who delivers toys once a year. He is Emmanuel who is with us every moment of every day of the year. Amen. He's not Santa Claus. He is King of Kings. He's not Santa Claus. He is Lord of Lords. He is the one that sits upon the throne. And we came today not to give him one more chance to give, him, give us what we want, but we came today to thank God that we have one more chance to worship him. I wonder if there's any wise men that came to worship him today. Amen. I want to begin probably with a little laying some groundwork. Teaching is probably what we would refer to the beginning part of this message today where I speak to us about wise men bring their treasure. I simply want to talk about the importance of a kingdom. Amen. The importance of being a part of the kingdom. Amen. And so I want to begin by simply what it means to define the word kingdom. Kingdom defined. And a kingdom is defined simply as a state, a nation, or a territory that is ruled by a king. It is the domain of a king, and it is the realm of his sovereignty. Amen. How many of you dads like to at least say when nobody else is around to hear you that you're the king of your castle? Even if it's just my own imagination, I like to believe that I'm the king of my castle. I like to think that I have, you know, some kind of, uh, and again, I just say it to myself because I, I know if I said it too loud, somebody would probably shoot that down. But that a king is that. It is someone who rules over a territory. It's somebody who has dominion over a, and sovereignty over a, a defined territory. 
There are 10 attributes or 10 specific qualities that distinguish something as being a kingdom. Have you know the United States of America is not a kingdom? It's a nation, but it's not a kingdom. And these 10 principles that we're going to share have got to be in place in order for there to be a kingdom. Number one, for it to be a kingdom, there has to be a king or a lord. That's, that's kind of the blank there on your paper. A king and a lord. That's not a king and a lord being separate, but a king who is a lord. That's one and the same. That when you are a king, you are automatically also endued with the title of being a lord. And that is a sovereign ruler. A king is not a king without a kingdom. And a kingdom is not a kingdom without a king. Amen. Well, if I say, well, I'm the king, but nobody else recognizes my authority, I'm, I'm an imaginary king, right? I, I'm, I'm a king in my own mind. I've got to have some space. I've got to have citizens that I am the ruler over. And so a king is not a king without a kingdom, nor is a kingdom a kingdom without a king. They've got to go together. Amen. And it is uh, that the king is the embodiment of the kingdom. The king himself represents the glory and the nature of the kingdom. The kingdom is a reflection of the king. Kingdom is often called a monarchy, which means that one person, usually inheriting, through an inheritance, they've been given this position by birth or by marriage. None of us in this building have the chance of becoming the king of England. Amen? Not even after Charles is gone because we weren't born into the right family to be the king of England. To be a king, you've got to get it through birth or you could possibly marry into that position. But it is, the king is the leader or the head of state. Every kingdom must have a king, but it is also true that every king is automatically a lord. And the lord is defined as someone who has absolute power, authority, or influence. Kings don't make suggestions. Right? Kings don't say they think this would be a good idea. When a king makes a decree, it's final. When a decree sets forth a law, it's absolute. It's not for some people, but not for others. If you are a citizen in that kingdom, it is an absolute rule, and the king has the final say. It is this quality of lordship that distinguishes a king from a president, a prime minister, a mayor, or a governor. A president can put laws out there, but there are checks and balances in place that hold that president from having absolute power, but not in the state of a king. When a king puts forth a law, it is absolute. There's no Senate. There's no Congress. There's nobody else that can overthrow what a king has spoken. In fact, a king's lordship makes him different from any other kind of human leader. Lordship is what makes a king unique. The title or position Lord does not exist in a democracy, does not exist in a socialistic society or within a republic. The next attribute of a kingdom is a territory. In order for there to be a kingdom, there's got to be a territory. There's got to be a defined territory. And this is the domain over which the king exercises total authority. The territory, its resources, its people are all personal property of the king. Right, we don't, in America, we buck up against that kind of thinking. I don't belong to nobody. I don't belong to no president. Ain't no president 
Amen. I might, you know, I might respect him because of his office, but I don't belong to him. Well, when you're in a kingdom, you absolutely are, you, you are, you belong to the king. You and the house you live in and the car you drive and the road you drive on, all of that is the possession and it, it is under the ownership of the king. The king owns everything and therefore is considered to be the Lord of all. I'm not going to, you guys can see we'd be here for a while if I dug into every one of these uh, different principles, but I'm just going to quickly name uh, the several of these and then I'll dig into points 9 and 10. There must be a constitution, which is the covenant of a king with his citizens and expresses the mind and the will of the king for his citizens and the kingdom. The law, there's got to be a law. If there's going to be kingdom, there has to be a law. Lawlessness cannot exist in a kingdom. Amen? Even the kingdom of darkness, which is the kingdom of our adversary, the devil, the devil has his laws in place. Amen? There must be law. These are the standards and principles established not by the people. The people don't get to say, well, we like this and we like that. No, the king establishes the law. Next, there is a code of ethics. This is the acceptable conduct by which the citizens of this kingdom and the representations of their kingdom. This includes moral standards, social relationships, personal conduct, attitude, even the clothes that you wear. The king says what is acceptable and what is not. Well, I don't like that. That's because you're an American. And Americans, we have democracy. But in the kingdom of God, we are not in a democracy. We have a king. And the king says what is good and what is not good. Amen. Three hand claps and a lot of, I don't know where you're going with this, Pastor. Don't worry, we'll get there. A kingdom has to have an army. Amen. In order for it to be a kingdom, it must have an army. And this is the kingdom system of securing its territory and protecting its citizens. Next, there is a commonwealth. This is the economic system of, of wealth, which guarantees that every citizen has equal access to financial security. This is a very important point that I'm going to bring to you right now about a kingdom. The kingdom's glory is in the prosperity and health of its citizens. This is a key attribute of a kingdom is that a kingdom, in order for a king to be successful, amen, that everybody within his kingdom, the glory of that king, the glory of the kingdom is that all the citizens of that kingdom are prospering and they are healthy. And that brings glory to the king. Eight is a social culture. This is the environment created by the life and the manner of kings and their citizens. Now we're going to dig in in these last two points. In order for it to be a kingdom, there must be citizenry. There must be citizenry. And these are people that live under the rule of the king. Now, you might think and you might believe that, well, because I live inside of this, you know, this geographical territory that automatically makes me a citizen. Not so. You can live within the territory and belong to the king as a possession, but not be a citizen of that kingdom. Citizenship of a kingdom is not a right, but it is a privilege, amen? And it is a result not of your choice, but of the king's choice. The king has to choose you as a citizen. The benefits and privileges of a kingdom are only accessible to the citizens, and therefore the favor of the king is always a privilege. When you're serving a good king, you're not 
looking for ways to not be a citizen. You're trying to find how can I get in the favor of the king because I don't just want to be a possession that belongs to the king. I want to be a citizen of the kingdom. Once one becomes a citizen of the kingdom, all the rights of citizenship are at the citizen's pleasure. The king, listen, the king is obligated to care for and protect not those that live in his territory, but his citizens. And their welfare is a reflection of the king himself. Their number one goal of a citizen in a kingdom is to be subject to the king. Amen. Oh, seeking only, I just want one thing, and that is to be in right standing with the king. Because as long as I'm a citizen of the king, I have a right and I have access to every benefit of the kingdom. As long as I'm in right standing with the king, I have access to the wealth of the king. What does that mean? It means we ought not be frivolous in our relationship with God. Amen. It means we should not take for granted being a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. Amen. Because as long as we are citizens of heaven, we have access to the benefits of his kingdom. Privileges. This is the final attribute of a kingdom. Privileges. The benefits the king lavishes on his faithful citizens. I want to say that again. The benefits a king lavishes, again, that king is saying everywhere you go, as a citizen of my kingdom, you are a representation of me. And so when people see you, and people see you being prosperous, and people see you doing well, they're going to think well of me. And so I want you to be blessed, and I want you to do good. Amen. Can I tell you today, there is privilege in being a part of the kingdom of God. Not coming to church, coming to church does not make you a citizen. Reading the Bible does not make you a citizen. There is a covenant relationship that you have got to enter into that makes you a citizen of the kingdom of God. But when you become a citizen of the kingdom, he's going to lavish his blessings upon you. Once you are in the kingdom, the king is personally responsible for you and your needs. Now, some of us don't, don't really believe that. Hey, man, I'm preaching. I know, it's, I know it's the Sunday before Christmas, and I've already talked to a lot of preacher friends that said we're just, you know, you're not going to gain any momentum, so we're, we're not really going to study real hard to preach this Sunday because people's minds are going to be other places anyhow. I rebuke that mindset. I didn't come today to mail it in. I'm not here today to just preach a little sermon so you can get on with your holiday. Amen. I'm here today to tell somebody there is a privilege in being a part of the kingdom of God. The best thing you can be in this world is a citizen of another world. Because once you become a citizen of his kingdom, God becomes personally responsible for all of your needs. And some of us are so busy trying to find favor in the government of this country. Amen. And we're so busy trying to find favor through being a citizen of this world that we're missing out on a greater benefit and a greater blessing. 
because Uncle Sam can only help you so much. But my God shall supply all of my needs. So let me recap and bring some parallel to these points that I brought from the attributes of a kingdom. First of all, I want to talk about the benefits of citizenship. First of all, the benefit of having a king. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, for unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his, somebody help me preach, his name shall be called Wonderful. Counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. But we're not going to stop there of the increase of his government and peace. Come on, I'm talking about a kingdom that has no end. I'm talking about a kingdom that cannot be defeated. Of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Listen, upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom. We're not just serving wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. We are serving the king of kings. He is ordering his kingdom. He's got sovereignty over his kingdom. To order it. And to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth, that means from now and forevermore, the zeal. Amen. Somebody say zeal. I wish somebody, you get a baptism of zeal today. Zeal means energy. It means passion. It means enthusiasm. And the king said, I'm excited about blessing you. I'm excited about lavishing my blessings upon you. Come on, anybody excited about, I'm not ex I don't get really excited at Christmas anymore about getting gifts, but I love giving gifts. I love being able to bless people. I like seeing when they open that present and the smile appears upon their, can you imagine how much more the great God of heaven uh, is smiling down today saying, by the zeal of the Lord of hosts, I will perform this. If you're a citizen of his kingdom, God is going to bless you. If you're a citizen of his kingdom, I wish some of you'd get as excited about his kingdom as he is excited about it. He said, my zeal will establish it. The territory, every kingdom. Sorry, my watch is telling me I'm about to have a heart attack. I said, what in the world are you doing, man? There must be territory. Every kingdom has to have territory. Well, what is? My phone's falling out of place. I did not fall. All right. We're good. Every kingdom has territory. What is the territory? of the King of Kings, Psalms 24 and 1, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. Can I tell you, the kingdom of God goes as far as you can fly, as far as you can drive, amen, as far as you can walk is the territory of the kingdom of God.
First Timothy 6.15 says this, which in his time he shall show who is the blessed and the only potentate, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Come on, somebody, this king has dominion over all of the earth. Amen. This king has power and authority over the heavens and the earth. Citizenry. In order for it to be a kingdom, there's got to be a group of people that are willing to be governed by the king. There's got to be not just willing to be, that they take pleasure in being governed by the king. They, they love to be associated with the name of their king. Amen. They love when people look at them and say, you must be a part of the kingdom of Jesus. Amen. You, you look like Jesus. You talk like Jesus. You walk like, and in order for it to be a kingdom, there's got to be a group of people, amen, that are excited about being in that kingdom. There's got to be a group of people that aren't afraid of authority. There's got to be a people that aren't trying to find loopholes in his law. There's got to be a group of people that say, we love the law of the Lord. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and a holy nation, a peculiar. You're not like everybody else. You're not like the citizens of every other kingdom around you. You're not like the citizens of the kingdoms of this world. But here's what makes you different, that you show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into. I wonder if there's any citizens in this house today. Come on, I wonder, are there any citizens in the house today? Well, I don't know if I'm a citizen of his kingdom. How can I know? Well, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily I, verily I say unto you, except a man is born of the water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Let me tell you how you become a citizen. You got to be born of the water and you got to be born of the spirit. Is anybody excited to be a citizen of the kingdom of heaven? Come on, you, you should have been there when I came through. The church was on fire with the Holy Ghost too. From the top of my head to the soles of my feet. I stepped in the water and the water was cold. It chilled my body but not my soul. I'm not a citizen of this world. I'm a citizen of heaven. It's amazing to me, even in the religious world, how many people are trying to find ways around that. Well, I don't think you really got to be baptized. That's not really that big of a deal. The king said you got to be born again of the water. Well, I don't think it's that big of a deal. The king said you cannot enter. I wonder if somebody's thankful today that you went down in water and you took the name of the king. In order for it to be a kingdom, Sister Maddie, there's got to be privileges that are afforded. In order for it to be a kingdom, there's got to be privilege that is afforded to its citizens. I wonder if anybody's ever experienced any privilege in the kingdom of God. 
I said it earlier, but I'm going to say it again. Philippians 4.19. But my God shall supply all your need according to his glory. Come on, somebody. My needs have always been supplied because I've got a good king. Stephen, I, re- I was thinking about this yesterday, Stephen. I don't want to put you on the spot, but it's too late now. Hey, man, about six months ago when you stood down at this altar with your little boy uh, and the doctors were stating all kinds of crazy things it could have been, but what happened? The citizens of the king got together and we said, oh, great king. Hey, come on, great king. You're our king, so we need you to take care of this need. Hey, that little boy is doing all right today, ain't he, Stephen? Why? Because I've got a good king. Some of you want to sit back and give God a little golf clap today like you're the one who got you out of trouble. And you're the one who put your marriage back together. And you're the one who got you where you are. Hey, no, you're living under the privilege of a king. The psalmist said it this way, blessed be the Lord who daily loadeth us with benefits. Even the God of our salvation. Pause. Say la, that's a pause. I'm just going to stop and think about that. Blessed be the Lord. Come on, I serve a good king. I'm in a kingdom where I serve a good king. Come on, I know it's easy to get caught up on what you don't have. But come on, you can't deny that the king has been good to you. That every day he's loading his benefits on you. I wish somebody would pause for a minute and think about the goodness of Jesus. I wish somebody paused pause for a moment and think of the goodness of the Lord. When I didn't deserve it, he gave me mercy. When I didn't deserve it, he gave me grace. There ought to be a praise that comes out of you right now because there is privilege. I'm a citizen of the king. I'm not afraid to say it. I'm a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. These, these are the benefits of being a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. Listen, some of you are trying to stay on the edge. You want to be one foot. You want to be dual citizens. You want to be citizens of this world and citizens of the kingdom of heaven, and it doesn't work that way. You cannot be citizens of this world and heaven at the same time. But you've got to get a revelation that when you are a full citizen of his kingdom, he is responsible for meeting all of your needs. As long as you got one foot in this world, he's not responsible. This world is responsible. But when you become a full citizen of his kingdom, he says, now I've got to take care of you because my name is at stake. When we become citizens in his kingdom, his glory is manifest in the earth through our health and our prosperity. I'm not preaching a prosperity doctrine today, but I am preaching today that when you're serving God, he's going to bless you. And through the blessing he puts upon you, his glory is going to be manifest. 
What does that mean? That means God ain't getting no glory out of you walking around like this. All hunched over, no confidence, beaten up by the world, can't find your smile, don't even remember where you left it. But when you walk around... Yes, I may be going through the fire, but there's a fourth man in the fire with me. Hey, man, I've got my shoulders squared and i got my head up. Hey, man, I bring glory to the name of Jesus. Hey, man, I bring glory to the name of Jesus. People look at our lives everywhere that you go as citizens of heaven. Trey, people should be looking at you and saying, wow, his king is good. Whatever kingdom he's a part of, I want to become a part of that kingdom because the king that he serves is blessing him. The king that he serves is meeting all of his needs. The king that he serves obviously is a good king, so I want to be a part of that kingdom. That's why it doesn't help to go around bashing the church that you go to. Amen. Telling your coworkers what kind of mess is going on in your church brings no glory to the name of Jesus. All it does is tears down the reputation of your king. Amen. Rather, what you need to do is get in a prayer room and pray that God would bring healing. Amen. But don't stop honoring the name of your king. Because people are watching you. And they associate your, your church fellowship with the kingdom. That's because it's a part of it. When God established his kingdom on earth, he said, up on this rock, I will build my church. Yeah. When you tear down the church and the community, you're tearing down the reputation of the king. This is where the dichotomy of our American democracy and the kingdom clash. Because I love democracy. I'm just being honest. In the in, in, in the earthly thinking, I like I like to have a vote. I like to have a say. Amen? I'm the only one. Okay. But here's the deal. We often want the benefits of the kingdom, but with the personal independence of democracy. I want God to supply all my needs, but I want to call the shots in my life. I want the host of heaven to fight for me, but I still want to be the one in control. I like the lavish gifts, but I'm not sure that I want him to be Lord. Samuel's helping me preach right now. I want to tell someone today that he is a great king. Not Samuel, he is. I want to tell somebody today he is a great king. Amen. The benefits of being a citizen of his kingdom are great. This democracy might be great for this world, but they are not eternal. They are only of this world. Amen. I want to thank God today that I am a citizen of his kingdom. And the benefits of his kingdom are eternal. I wonder, can we just take a, a cup? I'm almost done preaching, believe it or not. And I want you to thank God that you are citizens of his kingdom. Come on, God, I thank you for the privilege. I thank you for being a pri the privilege of being a part of your kingdom. God, that you are responsible as a citizen of your kingdom. You are responsible, God, for making sure that my needs are provided for. I want to bring our attention to these wise men for just, just a moment. Because these wise men, the Bible tells us, were from a faraway nation. Most of them 
Most commentaries and theologians believe them to be from Persia, or at that time it would be known as the king of Parthia, under the rule of King Phraates. In other words, they were citizens of another kingdom. They were citizens under another king. They were not under the constitution of Israel's king. They were not guarded, nor were they protected by the army of Israel's kingdom. They were not subject to Israel's laws. They were not subject... They were not subject to the kingdom uh, of this king that they had come to find. uh, Nor were they privy to the privileges of the kingdom of this king of the Jews. And yet they still came to worship. They saw his star in the east. And they came to worship. They came to the conclusion, even though that's not our king, and even though he has no responsibility to provide our needs, and even though there is no privilege afforded to us for going to where he is, we're still going to follow this star, and we're going to worship him. Why? Because they came to the understanding that this was a good king. This was a king worth traveling for. This was a just king. This was a king worth worshiping. This was a righteous king. This king they decided was worthy of their treasure. Yet they came to worship him because they understood what kind of king he was, not because he was their king. Their salutation when they enter into Jerusalem revealed this understanding when they said, we have come to worship him who is born, not our king, but the king of the Jews. They did not worship, stay with me for just a moment. They did not worship him because he had sovereignty in their lives. They did not worship him for the fact, as his citizens, he would be responsible to provide for they 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 weren't bringing the teacher a shiny red apple. That's not what this was. Amen. This wasn't them kissing up or all the other terms, the, the the slang we might use. That's not what this was. They were getting no benefit out of it. They did not worship him for the understanding that his glory would be revealed through their health and prosperity. Oh yes, we know. This Christ child was not just the king of the Jews. He was king of kings and lord of lords. We know that this child, hailed king of the Jews, would in fact become savior of the world. But these wise men who traveled did not know this. They thought he was the king of another kingdom that they were not citizens of. But citizens of another kingdom opened their treasure and presented gifts unto Jesus. That's where I want to bring it home today is because we are not citizens of another kingdom. Amen. We are not citizens from a far country that are traveling to lay treasures at the feet of a king who's not watching over us. Amen. That there's no privilege in our lives because of this king that we worship. Rather, I would say living hope today, he is our king. Amen. He is our king. I can't speak for everybody. He is my king. He is the sovereign authority in my life. And if wise men could get on the backs of camels and traverse a thousand miles to lay their gold at the feet of this king, then how much more should we say, God, I give you my treasure because you are my king. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 20 says, which he wrought in Christ. 
when he raised him from the dead, sat him at his own right hand in heavenly places, listen, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, amen, every president, Biden, Trump, it doesn't matter, every president, Bush, amen, doesn't matter, kings of England, kings of France, doesn't matter, this king, Ephesians said, is over every name that will ever be named. Amen. Some of you put more trust in DynCor and, and the people that you're employed by than you do the name of Jesus. But let me tell you that his name is above your employer. His name is above the gods of this world. And if you're a citizen of his kingdom, if your employer calls you in tomorrow and says you're terminated, your king still has a responsibility to take care of you. If your employer calls you in Monday and says we're taking away all your benefits, my God is still loading down benefits upon you if you are a citizen. Not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. Because here's the deal, one day we're going to stand before that throne and we're going to have to announce our king. Amen. And some of us are going to have to say, my king was my job. Some of you are going to have to say, my king was my career. Some of you are going to have to say, my king was my self-appointed calling. Amen. But on that day, there's only one name that's going to get you where you need to go. And that is when you stand on that day and say, my king was King Jesus. Amen. It was him that I put my trust in. That ought to get somebody excited today. Because his name is greater than any name, not only in this world, but in the world to come. And he has put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head, hallelujah, over all things to the church. Which, I like his kingdom, I just don't like the church. Well, stick with me, I'm about to bust your bubble to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Talking to somebody today about the privilege of being a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. And if a couple of men, I don't know how many there were, three by tradition, but probably more than that, could get on camels and walk across hills and desert valleys to go to worship a king that gave no privilege to them, that they were going to get no benefit from, if they could go and fall down and open up the lids off of their treasure and present it to the king, then there ought to be something in the heart of the church that says, I've got to find Jesus and I've got to give my treasure. Revelation 17, 14 says, These shall make war with the Lamb, and the Lord, the Lamb rather shall overcome them. Talking about the King. For He is the Lord of lords and the King of kings. Hallelujah. And they that are with Him, they that are with Him, they that are citizens of His kingdom, amen, are called and chosen and faithful. We are citizens of His kingdom. He is the Lord of our lives. He does 
Not like those wise men that travel. We're inspired by their story. But we're not like them, Brother Alberti. We're not like them. We're different than them. We are citizens. He is our king. We're not just traveling to lay down because some star told us this was a king in another nation. No, this is our king. This is the God who is responsible for supplying all of my needs. And there ain't no way I'm going to let three foreigners who aren't even a part of the kingdom out give me. Don't be offended by that phrase. I'm talking about in the context of Scripture. Somebody go out, oh, pastor was putting down foreigners. I'm talking about in the context of people that are not citizens of his kingdom and those that are. I know how the devil can work, so I just had to take that out of his mouth. If you are here today and you have not, I'm not sure if I'm a citizen. Well, first of all, you got to repent. What is repenting? Repenting is when you denounce, you denounce your citizenship in this world. You got to denounce it. That's what repentance is. It's turning away from the, the, the governance of this world. Saying, I denounce, I'm not leaning on the arm of flesh any longer. I'm not trusting in my job to provide all my needs. Amen. I'm I'm not trusting in my talent to get me where I need to go. Amen. I'm leaning on the everlasting arm. Amen. I'm I'm, I'm, I'm renouncing my citizenship, citizenship from this world. Amen. Then you must be baptized in the name of Jesus. He said it. You you can't get into my kingdom if you haven't been born of the water. Amen. The Bible tells us we put on Christ in baptism. That's where we put on the name of Jesus. And you cannot be a citizen of his kingdom until you have identified with the king. And we identify with Christ in baptism. I I know it's Christmas, but the best gift you can give yourself this year is get in the water and take on the name of Jesus. I want to become a citizen of the kingdom of God. I'm tired of being a citizen of this world. I want to be a citizen of heaven. And you've got to be filled of his spirit. Well, pastor, I don't know if that's really mandatory. It is mandatory. Because until you're filled with the spirit, you're trying to do spiritual things through flesh. And you can't, you can't walk in a spiritual kingdom through carnal measures. You've got to be filled with the spirit. You've got to be baptized not just of the water, but of the spirit. These wise men, not even citizens of his kingdom, brought their treasure. The Bible says in Matthew 2 and 11, when they walked in the house, they weren't dignified. They weren't worried about what people thought, and the Bible says they fell down. Some of you do good to stop being so dignified. You got it all together. You're too too dignified for God to do anything with you. You're too proud for God to really move in your life. I mean, it's time for you to get humble before the Lord and do like these, not even citizens of his nation, but they realize what a great king he was. How much more should we, that when we called on him, Stephen, and he healed our babies, we ought to be falling on our knees and saying, King, oh King, I came to worship you. I 
I'm, I'm preaching to some folks in this building that you're getting offended over petty things and God has done some big things in your world and you're so busy fighting over little stuff, you're not giving God praise for the big things he's done. You cannot worship and be offended at the same time. All right. I know you want me to hurry up and go. They presented gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Very quickly in closing, Maddie, you can play something. That gives them hope. They presented gold. Frankincense and myrrh, the symbolism, I didn't come up with this. It's been established in commentaries and theologians agree. This isn't just some random abstract thought that I thought would appeal to a crowd today. There was symbolism in these gifts that they gave. Gold has always been and is today even, but was a valuable gift that was reserved as a gift unto kings. Gold was a gift fit for kings. Frankincense. Go back in the Old Testament and you read the tabernacle. You begin to read about that holy place and this one particular furnishing that was placed in there called the altar of incense and you'll read frankincense. This was a, a, a this was an apothecary, if you would. It was, it was a fragrance that God chose. He said, I love the smell of frankincense. And he said, so whenever you're going to come into my presence and worship me, I want you to, uh, I want you to offer this frankincense and burn it because it is a fragrance that I love the aroma of. And then myrrh was symbolic of death. Doesn't really go along with our Christmas jingles and the little bells. Death doesn't really fit in the jingle. But myrrh was used in the process of embalming. Body would die, they would use myrrh in the embalming to preserve that body until all of the funeral proceedings could take place and wise men that were not citizens of his kingdom would open their treasures. Listen, that, they didn't just pop the top. They broke the, the lid off of that. Saying that the, the, the word that is used there for open was a word saying they, there was no intent to put the lid back on it. In other words, we're not just giving you a little bit. We're giving you everything that is in here. I'm not talking about the church. I'm talking about people from a far-off kingdom that didn't even know how good this king was. And yet we come to church and we pop the top a little bit. And then if the preacher preaches too long, we put the lid back on because our football team's playing at 1 o'clock. And we put the lid back on because we got this going on in our world. I'm, I'm asking you, are you still a citizen of his kingdom? Men that weren't even citizens of his kingdom traveled a thousand miles to get in his presence. Pastor, I can't make it to church on Wednesday night. It's just too far of a drive. Pastor, I can't make it on Sundays. I just got to, I'm talking to us. Are we really citizens? Because if somebody from a far off nation could do it, then what about his people who daily he loadeth us with benefits? Now, it wasn't my intent, but I can tell I just ticked somebody off because I felt the atmosphere shift. Wise men bring their treasures. Citizens of his kingdom. Now, if you got one foot in the, in the world and one foot in the church, I'm not preaching to you today. 
talking to those of you that truly rely on King Jesus. My treasures, the old song said it this way, my treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. I'm not living my life for this world. I'm living my life for a world that is yet to come. And if your God is the Washington Redskins, on that day you've got no hope. If your God is President Biden, on that day you've got no hope. If your God is your 401k, on that day you've got no hope. But if your God is King Jesus. I really am done, almost. Keep saying that. I sound like my dad now. I say that in full respect, Dad. I love you. And you can say there, Sister Carol, I'm good. You're good. That's it. Some, I love that. There's somebody thankful to be a citizen of the king. Thank you, king. Isn't he a good king? Sister Carol, I'm not saying, I don't mean this negatively, but I, it wasn't too long ago that we buried Sister Carol's mom. But you know what? A, a king who's not faithful wouldn't have come by in those kind of times. But I watched that good king walk into services and put his arm around Sister Carol and comfort her and say, don't worry because you're in my kingdom. Hey Amen. One of these days you're going to see her again. That's why she's worshiping over here is because she recognizes what a privilege it is to be a citizen of his kingdom. Mary and Joseph were not rich. Amen. These wise men show up expecting a king and they walk into a house. They weren't, it wasn't still at the stable, all right? It was about two years after that. I'm destroying all kinds of traditions right now. But they walk into the house that Mary and Joseph live in and it's, it's humble, dirt floor probably, and those, it wasn't marble. It wasn't adorned. There was no scepter upon the head of this child they'd come to look for. The Bible tells us when Mary and Joseph went to offer Jesus back, amen, on, on the eighth day, when they went to the temple to offer him back, that would be the time they met Simeon in the temple. The Bible says they offered two turtle doves. And I know that's part of your 12 days of Christmas. But they offered two turtle doves. And if you read back in the book of Exodus, in the, in the law, when you were to bring an offering, uh, that if you were wealthy, you were to bring a lamb. But the Bible says if you weren't wealthy and you didn't have the means to bring a lamb, if you were poor, then you should bring two turtle doves. Uh, and so Mary and Joseph were not affluent. They weren't wealthy. And when those wise men walked into that place, uh, they could have said, you know what? We're not giving gold to some lowly baby. Uh, we're too good for that. That's not what they did. Uh, amen. The Bible said they gave unconditionally. Uh, it's not about what we get in return but we're giving because we recognize I don't give my finances to the church what I get out of it I give because I'm a citizen of the kingdom
Some of you could play a, a dangerous game. Well, I'm going to give to the church when I agree with every decision. Being Listen, if you're giving to the church, you're giving the wrong place. When you give into the kingdom of God, you're giving to the king. Unconditional. I'm not doing this for what I get in return. I'm doing it because I serve a great king. And if three or how many ever men that weren't even citizens would give of their wealth, how much more should we? He is our Jehovah Jireh. I'm looking around this room at people that are so blessed of God. You guys have jobs that you don't even know how you got them. Your resume don't match up. Oh, well, now it does because you, you know, you, you come, God's open doors. But God's been so good to you. Daily, he lavishes benefits upon us. He is my Jehovah Jireh. Amen. His glory is being shown on the every, Brother Silvati, every day you walk into that job, people are looking and they're saying, his God must be great. His God must be great. Amen. Brother Barry, every day you walk into that job, people are watching you, and they're looking at your disposition, that smile that is on your face, even though they know what you're going through, and they're saying, His God must be great. I'm not going to take much time here, but January the 15th, we'll talk more about this. We're going to have a first fruit service. Again, I don't want to bog it down here at this point but we're going to have a service where we bring our first fruits unto our king and we're going to bless his kingdom amen we're going to bless his kingdom our world can get behind all kinds of causes people that aren't even citizens of this kingdom can get behind all kinds of causes and they can give lavishly to causes that have no eternal value how much more should the people of his kingdom be willing to say, you know what, I'll bring my gold, frankincense, a fragrance to this world that is stained by the stench of sin. How do we do that? We, we bring our gift of fragrance. How do we do that? By letting the aroma of Christ's living permeate our lives. Everywhere that we go, Sister Carol, everywhere we go, we are, we are that frankincense. We are that aroma of godliness into the stench of a sin-filled world that we are in the midst of. Listen, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 15. For we are a fragrance of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. Now, right now, I'm not very fragrant. I've been, I've been sweating. I smell terrible. But Angelita, everywhere you go in this community, when you live a life that pleases God, you are, you are giving that gift of frankincense. Amen, Brother Chris. All the good things you do in our community, every, every time you go out there in this community and you've got a smile on your face and you're charitable and you're helping others, you are giving that gift of frankincense. And all together we are filling this community with the aroma that is pleasing unto God. And here it is, the part I've been telling you for the last 20 minutes I was coming to the end. Myrrh. They brought the gift of myrrh. How, how do we bring myrrh? Type of death. Sacrifice and suffering. We bring the gift when we're willing to suffer for the, for the sake of his kingdom. What did Jesus say to his disciples? When he went to them and said, hey, follow me. He didn't say, follow me, and I promise you a mansion. He said, follow me, but first you need to deposit some money into this account over here. And 
That's not what he said. What did he say? Follow me. First, you've got to deny yourself. You've got to take up your cross if you're going to follow me. That, that is the gift of myrrh. The gift of myrrh is when we go back to that old rugged cross. It's not about what the king does for me. I'm just thankful to be a part of his kingdom. Uh, Amen. Yes, he lavishes benefits upon me. uh, But God, I'm so thankful today that I can be identified with Christ in his suffering. Uh, I'm so thankful today that I have the opportunity to take up my cross uh, and to follow Jesus. This is the gift of myrrh today when you place your life in his hands. So I'll cherish the old rugged cross Till my trophies at last I lay down And I will cling to the old rugged cross And exchange someday come on somebody that's the gift of myrrh so I'll cherish the old rugged cross hallelujah till my trophies at last I lay down and I will cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it someday for a crown. Somebody bring that gift of myrrh. Would you bring your treasures so I'll cherish the old rugged cross oh, till, till my our hands toward heaven sing so I'll cherish the old rugged cross to live as Christ to die as gain come on the fellowship of his suffering God it's not just about what you do for me but Lord I'll take up my cross and I'll follow you this verse to the old rugged cross to the old rugged cross I will ever be true I will ever be true it's shame and reproach gladly bear but, but come on I'm not just living for the kings of this world then he'll call me to my home far away Where his glory forever, ever I'll share. Would you sing it with me one time? So I'll 
our hands and I just want you to thank him right now for his kingship the Bible says there's coming a day that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord but on that day many of the tongues that confess that it's too late for them to call them their Lord but today everybody in this building you have the opportunity to say Jesus you are king and you are my Lord. God, you are on the throne in my life. I denounce my citizenship with this world. God, I've got to become a citizen of another world. Lord, I've got to have your name upon my life. Lord, I want you to be the one that is responsible for supplying all of my needs. Come on, you can wear yourself out trying to be your provider. You can wear yourself out trying to be the Lord of your life, trying to make ends meet. But I just want to tell you there is so much power in denouncing citizenship in this world and declaring Jesus Christ as Lord of your life. Let him be the one that is responsible for making sure that you're taken care of. we bow our heads together. Lord Jesus, I thank you today. You are a great king. You are a great king. And God, if wise men could travel from afar, wise men under the sovereignty of a far-off king, if they had enough revelation to bring them all the way to Bethlehem into that home to worship a king that was not their king, and how much more should we on this day as we observe again the birth of Jesus Christ, how much more should we travel right now to the place where we say, Lord, you are king of my life. God, I denounce my citizenship to this world, and I thank you because you have always been good to me. God, you've always provided all of my needs. Lord, you've always been there when I needed you, and so I bring to you today my treasure, and I offer you my gold. God, all of my earthly possessions, they belong to you. God, I give to you frankincense, and I pronounce today that my life, I will live to the glory of God. I bring to you the offering of myrrh. 
Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Jesus, I know it's Christmas, Sunday before Christmas, but I wonder if we could all together bow our heads together and just ask God to forgive us of our sins. Denounce once again citizenship of this world. It's so easy to get dragged into this world. The Bible tells us not to be entangled with the affairs of this world because it's so easy to fall into that trap where we become citizens of this world again and we rely upon this world to meet our needs. But I wonder right now, could we repent and ask God once again to forgive us? Lord, I denounce my citizenship of this world. Lord, I may be in this world, but I'm not of this world. I'm a stranger, and I am a pilgrim passing through. Lord, my treasures are not in this world. My treasures are not my salary. They're not my 401K. They're not the house that I live in, the car that I drive. Lord, my treasures are eternal, Lord. My treasures are the name of Jesus that is upon my life. My treasures, oh God, are the kingdom of heaven. the name of Jesus. And I would ask today if there's anybody here that's not been baptized in Jesus' name, if you've not been born again of the water. Again, not my words. The king. The king said you've got to be born again of the water and of the spirit if you're going to enter into this kingdom. Is there anybody here today that would say, you know what, preacher, I've got to become a citizen of that world. Kings of this world aren't working out for me. They promise things they can't deliver on. I'm ready. I'm ready today to be a citizen of another kingdom. Is there anybody here today before we dismiss this service? Anybody? Hallelujah. Sometimes it is easy to start on your destination without knowing the exact path that it takes to get there. To get to our destination, we need to follow the one who knows our predestined path. Be sure to subscribe and watch us every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Also, visit us at www.livinghopemd.com. So I'm going to wait on you, Jesus. I'm going to wait on you, Jesus.